Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, May 17th. I am Dan Rubin. This is Bucknuts Almost Live, our sporadic weekend podcast. We will be joined in just a minute by Barton Simmons, Director of Scouting for 24-7 Sports. We are actually recording this on a Friday morning, so bear with us if we lose something in the translation. If you are listening, we need you to do us a favor. If you have yet to give us a five-star review on iTunes, please go ahead and do so. You can do so right from your app, or you can do it online, whichever works best. There will be a link in the first message board post for you to do this. As we've stated, we are locked in a battle with the Michigan and Penn State sites to see who can get the most five-star reviews. Now to our guest. He has been a mainstay at 24-7 Sports since Bucknuts came over more than a decade ago. He is Barton Simmons, Director of Scouting for 24-7 Sports. Barton, thanks for joining us. Dan, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation. How's it going? Going real good. And of course, anything that deals with recruiting these days, Ohio State has entertained us during the coronavirus, and we are very appreciative. But I want to give people a little bit of history on Barton just because you've probably seen his name on the site since you've been here. And recruiting can be a very interesting and volatile conversation. Know this, Barton was a heck of a football player at Yale, so he's smarter than you too, but he was the star of the team, defensive back. I would encourage you to Google it. I don't even want to read the quotes from his teammates here for the fear that his head would expand beyond the Zoom focus. But this is a guy who knows of which he speaks. What I'd love you to talk about a little bit is I really think 24-7's rankings have come a long way in the last you know 10 years in the time we've been doing it and I think that was made evident by the recent draft and such can you talk about just how proud you are of that and maybe what has changed along the way to get us to the point now where we are the premier ranking service going yeah um gladly and and thanks for the intro uh don't google too hard you might find some dirt on there too Uh, you don't hit images that's right (laughs) That's right. Those have, those have found their way out of the message boards. But no, look, I, I think that the thing that I'm proud about with, with 24-7 sports and our rankings is, look, I, I think everyone, uh, or the casual fans at least, look at our rankings or our process, and, and, and they're always going to sort of give the line, well, look, if you guys knew what you were doing, you would be doing this for a college somewhere. And, and that's always a line that, that kind of kind of rubs me a little bit raw because we got a great gig, you know. We got a great we're in a great spot. We love what we do. Uh, we have job security, you know. We're I, I certainly could have um, pursued coaching after college, and I, I chose not to. Um, and I only say that because, yeah, I, I, I have tremendous respect for what um, coaches do, and 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 I. Um, try to pick their brain as much as possible to learn from them. And, and, um, but I think one thing that we've done at 24 seven sports is like, we, we aren't just sitting here every class, throwing a bunch of rankings on moving on to the next class and, uh, and just sort of counting page views, you know, we're what I do and, and what I'm really appreciative for 24 seven sports to giving me the sort of the, the, the freedom and, and, and hasn't just sort of made me just do nothing but recruiting updates. You know, we, we research this and we go back and we check our work and we, we check NFL draft trends and we watch film of guys that's just got drafted and 
figure out why we missed. And, and through that process, you know, we're, we're all consuming. Yes. I mean, I, all the respect I have for coaches and guys that are much better at this than I am, we, you know, those guys also split their time actually on the field coaching. We are, I am fully consumed with personnel and, uh, and specifically high school to college personnel. And so we work really hard at trying to get it right and work really hard at identifying trends and trying to have our rankings reflect uh, the, the trends of the game. Um, we work really hard at accumulating information, opinions from college coaches, college staffs. It's not just an offer list to us, you know, that, that offer list is, is representative of a lot more. You know, we can, we know who's, who actually wants to take a kid, who doesn't, who's, who has the top of the board, who doesn't. Um, and we have more access than ever to film and camp information, testing numbers, track numbers, and all these things that we fold into the process. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to get better at this every year, and there's always going to be guys that we miss on, and there's always going to be guys that um, make us look bad at the end of the day. But that's, that's, that's the human element to this whole process. Uh, it's not ever going to be perfect. It's, not, it's, it's an art, not a science. And so uh, I, I'm very proud that the only sort of thing that we can compare ourselves to are the other, the other major recruiting sites. And we're objectively a lot more accurate than them. And that's, you know, that's, we're going to continue to try to, uh, try to separate and, and pull, you know, extend that lead. I'm definitely proud of it. And, and what's so interesting to me is I think that 24 seven sports has embraced two kind of, uh, I don't want to call them misnomers, but I think the public's the two things that they don't grasp enough is that, and I can speak for the Ohio state site. Like for example, Mr. Bucknuts back in the day, didn't want to talk about the NFL or didn't think the NFL had anything to do with Ohio state. And that's just a little bit short-sighted because every single kid that commits to Ohio State thinks he's going to the NFL. And therefore, Ohio State's ability to place people in the NFL is a huge, huge deal to them. So that's, a, that's so important. And the fact that the rankings kind of reflect guys being potentially first-round draft picks, et cetera, and the projection process for Ohio State, I think it makes everything a lot more accurate. And as Urban Meyer revealed in his social distance, appearance last week I kind of knew this the the coaches do pay attention to the rankings I'm not saying they get the rankings go out and then use that as their board but the idea that they're not paying attention to them is silly so the fact that we have the best ones only improves our credibility and that's a credit to you guys and Steve Wolfong and the crew yeah and, and I'd, I'd add because I'd love to take this opportunity to to clarify and, and sort of um to, to bring into focus the reason we use the NFL draft as, as our measuring stick for how we did with the rankings. And, and the, the, the bottom line is that it's real simple for us. What's the alternative? You know, we, we use the NFL draft, not because we care at all, really. I mean, very little do we care, do I care what these guys NFL career looks like. The reason that I like the NFL draft is because the NFL draft is a reflection of how good you were in college. Like, that's all it is. They're, they're, they're drafting the guys that were good in college. So everyone's saying, why are you projecting high school kids to the NFL? I'm not. I'm just using the NFL draft 
as a judge of how their college careers panned out. And I think if you do that, then it, it keeps you, again, like we, we follow these trends, it keeps us disciplined in terms of what we're looking for. And otherwise, if you just say, generally speaking, well, this kid hit because he was really good in college, this kid missed because he wasn't, you, it's so arbitrary that there's no discipline to it and you can manipulate it any way you want to to say you missed on a guy or you hit on a guy. Look. If, if, if a guy, if a fifth, if a, a five-star goes undrafted, there's no, there, there's no spin that I can provide that can tell you that he was a hit. If he goes undrafted, he was a miss. And if a two-star is in the first round, we just missed on him. I can tell you why. I can make excuses, but we just missed on him. And, and so that, that to me is, is important to sort of creating a discipline to the process and so that we can't cheat it. You know, we're, our work's right out there in the open and the grades are posted on, you know, every April uh, in, in that NFL draft and, and, and we're going to check. And listen, the, the college coaches are pitching getting to the NFL. That's what you're yeah. selling. When you go to Yale, you don't go to Yale because you get the same job as when you attend, you know, um, New Haven Community College. That's the point. So yeah. I think people got to get over that. It's just uh, very interesting, and it's helped Ohio State. And believe me, like I said, every single kid that comes to Ohio State is usually the best player in the history of their town and only thinks they're going to college for three years. You notice this when, I mean, guys make announcements. I always find it funny when they pick the hat, whether they say three or four years. So uh, you know what you're dealing with. Let's talk about the composite for a little bit. I think the composite and the decision to do that was just a massive, massive move for the network uh, several years ago. It created the standard. Since then, we purchased Scout, so that ranking went by the wayside. And there, I think some people have some issues with how rivals and ESPN do it. How do you feel about the composite right now and uh, your just general vibe on that ranking system? Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, I, I certainly have – you know, because of the, the effort and the work we put into our rankings, um, I've got a ton of pride in our rankings. And, and, I, and I like our rankings to be, um, you know, people to, to, to look at them, to know, to know what they are, to know how we feel about guys. And I, I, I think it's the composite remains a really important part of our, our process, though, because, A, you can see where we are relative to the composite. You know, it's right there. It's you can sort of see where we're higher or lower on players. But B, you know, hey, there's no guarantee that we're going to be the most accurate in the. Tw- we, we were the most accurate in the 2020 draft. We were most accurate in the 2019 draft. There's no, there's no guarantee we're going to be the most accurate in the 2021 draft. I, I think we are. I hope we are. But there's no guarantee. And I think that's sort of the point of the composite to a, to a degree. Like, it is an industry snapshot. It's an industry consensus, and I think it allows us almost the ability to, you know, to convey an unbiased uh, perspective. It, it, it's, it removes the impropriety of, of people thinking that we're moving guys up and down just to affect the rankings because we can't really affect the, the team rankings as much because there's – there's three other two other sites that contribute to it and i think there's also the element of just ingrained unintentional bias of like hey one of the other networks or sites might have 
a really good understanding of a certain region of the country, even if it's a state, a city, whatever, that we might not have the, the, the manpower, the resources devoted to, to where they, they may have some insight. They may see a kid in a setting that we don't see them in and, and rank them more appropriately than we have because they have better information or, or more updated information on the kid. And so th- those sort of things create an environment where everyone's going to have some hits and some misses. Everyone's going to going to have varying levels of, of information on, on varying prospects. So I think it's important to sort of give you the option and, and make that the industry standard and let 24 seven sports be the home where you can find where the entire recruiting industry thinks of each class and each player. And then you can look at our rankings and understand where we view them and, and how that's different, um, how, whether that may be higher or lower. And, 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 you know, that's, I think, helps you understand who that player is even more. But I think having that sort of standard ranking, that's just a collection of, of everyone in the industry and kind of the, the, the general um, snapshot of a player. I, I think that's a value. And, and that's been something that's really allowed 24-7 sports to separate, too, in, in terms of being the standard uh, ranking for for everyone that doesn't work at one of the you know three primary uh services yeah i think other reporters when they're citing rankings are oftentimes more comfortable using the composite because they don't feel like they're paying allegiance to anybody too so that's a clever little marketing ploy we've got going there too we will get back to the rankings but barton is doing a great series on our main site right now at 24 7 sports kind of doing the you So this is a common front row argument over several positions, linebacker university, DBU. Barton has actually gone and put uh, some analysis into it. He's done LBU and DBU. You can find DBU on the front page. You read LBU on the front page yesterday or the day before. But there's one thing that's obvious that Ohio State is now DBU. Can you talk about the series, maybe what's coming up and kind of how Ohio State figures into it? Yeah, well, so one thing, you know, like this is, and I even, we, we had some behind the scenes conversations when we were producing this, whether we should even call it DBU, LBU, because, you know, that's such a, that's such an overplayed to debate. And so, and, and, and really it's, in a lot of cases, it's an irrelevant debate because, you know, I love the, idea, I love when people are claiming, come to, come to DBU where we have, we've got all, all these NFL draft picks and you look up and those guys all got drafted 10 years ago. It's like, what, how, how is that relevant to today? And so this series that I put together is, is really focused on recent NFL draft success um, because, Hey, look, coaches turn over um, teams cycle up and down um, and there's, everyone that goes on runs. And I think what the, the current run teams are on is probably more relevant than, you know, whether they got a hall of famer, uh, that was drafted in the early two thousands. And so, uh, I, I think that that was sort of the, the idea is I really wanted to, I wanted to find out, I wanted to learn and, and understand who is actually identifying, developing and producing the best at every position. And look, I'm, I'm, we're doing this in conjunction with our rankings update that we're releasing on, uh, on Wednesday, uh, May 20th, which is going to be really focused strictly on the defensive side of the ball. 
because we did some really deep dives position by position on defense, watched a ton of film. And so in the lead up to that, we're doing a, a position a day. And it's and, and so DBs were today and, and, and linebackers were yesterday. And it was uh, as my four year old comes in the room, Scout, see you. And uh, wait, wait and till so, you get some cranky teenagers coming down from sleep. That'll be some <laughs> real fun for us. So, you know, th- this is the idea is, you know, who's producing over the last five years. And in doing that, Ohio State is just hitting it out of the park. And especially a defensive back. <laughs> Hang on one second. That's not Marshawn Lattimore, is it? That is, that is a, that's a future uh, – I don't know what she's going to be. Maybe a, maybe a future mountain climber or uh, uh, something like that. But she's, great, great lateral quicks. That's right. That's right. I got her out of there. So here we go. All right. Sorry about that. So okay. quarantine life. Um, but Ohio State, and, you know, not only are they producing at a high level on defensive back, they're producing at like – the quantity isn't, isn't the only thing of note. It's, they're all first-rounders. I mean, I don't have to tell you, but it's, it's pretty remarkable the, the run they've been on. Um, you know, linebacker was the same way. Edge is coming next week. You know, I don't think I have to tell you what they've been doing at the edge position. Um, you know, I mean, you just sort of go down the list. And I think it really speaks. And, and you know, Urban Meyer retweeted um, something that Chris Hummer wrote last week that I'm sure you noticed uh, about how Ohio State's doing such a good job of turning five stars into NFL draft picks. And so I think it is, and I think the reason he, he retweeted and he has so much pride about it is because it is a great reflection in terms of, like, what are we trying to accomplish here? I mean, yes, we want to produce young men at a high level and, and, and build character and have them be successful after college. But these guys, as you mentioned, Dan, these guys come to Ohio State and they come to – these major power five programs all with the dream of playing in the NFL. And so who is producing, who is evaluating at a high level, like I said, who is developing and and when they get on campus and who's being drafted high. And I think it's a really strong representation of the coaching staff, the continuity and the processes in place at Ohio state that they just seem to be populating the top of all these lists. What's beautiful about this is they've done, it for, they've done it for an extended period of time, and now what you're seeing is they're going to have a guy in almost every position in the league except quarterback that's going to be one of the highest-paid players, and that is just tremendous marketing. You say, well, they got Chase Young and the Bosa brothers, and how hard is that? You know, I mean, those, of course. But, look, there's so many guys that were viewed as no-brainers that have gone to the next level, and – and busted. Now, you know, the no-brainers at that level, yeah, more of them have hit than haven't. But the, you know, the idea that they're getting on campus and not just getting drafted, but they're getting drafted again, you know, top five, that, I think that really speaks to, to just the, you know, so many aspects of the program to be able to develop them and sort of maximize that ability. I had a discussion with Steve Wiltfong on a podcast recently, and he was talking about the highest average per recruit was the Ohio State class of a few years ago, led by Chase Young and Jeffrey Okuda. And then to see them go 2-3 in the draft just feels very linear. One of the things Ohio State's done a great job of as well, though, is if you stick it out in the program, you're going to get a shot. 
people have a hard time believing this, but Terry McLaurin never spent a day on Ohio State's roster as anything higher than the third receiver. I thought he was going to be a great gunner in the league, and I have some real close connections because I used to cover the Redskins. He was the best player on the team last year. As we move to the class of 2021, Ohio State may be reaching its zenith. I put zenith in air quotes because it keeps getting reestablished. They are number one right now. Like I, the aforementioned Steve Wiltfong is doing a monthly piece on the chase for number one. The first one came out last week, and it's about Ohio State getting some possible challengers. It's going to be very difficult for anybody to catch them, partly because they're in the mix for some really good players. I was hoping you could give everybody your sense, you know, the national perspective on some of the guys they're still going after. Uh, J.C. Latham, J.T. Tumalau, Emeka Egbuka, and Taiwan Malone. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what's, that's what's incredible about this class is it's that as, as highly rated as it is, I mean, already sort of we're not even to um, June, and it's already a class that's – sort of in the that, that would be in the mix for number one any year by February and keep in mind as processes play out typically r- rankings inflate as we go more five stars are added guys move their their ratings Im- improve as as a sort of we settle on who they are and so uh you know that speaks to sort of where things are going for Ohio State but t- to your point it's, I mean, there's the guys that are still out there are, are some of the best guys that could potentially land in this class. Um, you know, I think that the one that's to me of those names that you mentioned that, that jumps out the most is JC Latham, who is, in my opinion, a guy that has a case for doing uh, for being the, the number one player in the country um, in terms of having the size, having the movement skills and athleticism, having the versatile background that we love as, as offensive linemen and, and, being, and playing at a high level, checking out in camp settings like this kid is, is a phenomenal prospect. And so, you know, Ohio State being in such a good position for him is, is really a, uh, just a, it's an exciting development for this class. Um, you know, Emeka Buka, who's, it's just kind of the most complete wide receiver in this class from a speed, size, production standpoint. We talk about things that we value at wide receiver more and more. It's, it's less about just what their 40 time is. It's, it's really about just how nuanced they are as a player, how natural they are. What's, what, you know, how can they get open? Can they, are they productive? I mean, that, that's a kid that's been incredibly productive at the high school level on both sides of the football. Uh, and I, you know, I think he probably would be committed already had he been able to get in uh, for a visit in the spring. Uh, and so that, I mean, that's just, uh, could be a phenomenal ad as Ohio state continues to knock it out of the park with their wide receiver recruiting. And then JT Tui Maloow, I mean, God, can you imagine, I mean, this is a historic year in the state of Washington. Yeah. If, if Ohio state pulls two five stars from that state away from Jimmy Lake in his first year. I mean, that's a, that's a tough blow. Um, and JT Tui Maloa is our current number one player in the country on 24-7 sports. Um, and just, I mean, that's, again, when you talk about on paper what you want, he's versatile, he's big, he's, he's young, he's, he can rush the passer, he can, he can drop in coverage. Not, you know, not that he'll be asked to do that much at Ohio State, I wouldn't imagine, but 
he's he, he can play you know he's a, a fantastic basketball player he's a he's really good in seven on seven if he wants to play tight end like these are just the the natural ingrained athleticism that you want in a number one player and he has that body type too so it's just all those guys are no brainers just no doubt kids and the fact that we're looking i mean they're three of the top seven that are all well positioned for ohio state is just a, a little bit mind-blowing the state of washington also has a Heward out there three guys in the top 15 or so that's probably not ever going to happen again i don't know if it's happened before for that state but considering they got g scott out of there last year a little uh, pacific northwest pipeline wouldn't hurt let's talk about the class of 2020 this class is going to be studied given the pandemic uh, my son is a high school graduate 2020 this is a class that's going to go down in history for whatever reason i don't think we know yet we had those guys on campus and then they had to bail of the guys that committed in the class of 2020 to Ohio State. Did you have a couple favorites? Yeah. You know, so I would start first with the quarterback because I thought that there was a really – I mean, look, it was a – it was a – excuse me for this phone. Keep reading. It was a decent quarterback class. It was a great quarterback class at the top with Bryce Young and DJ Uyangalale. And – it felt like to me for a long time there was a huge gap between those guys and everybody else. And, and then C.J. Stroud started emerging as this process played out. Um, started in the spring, continued into the summer. We loved him in the summer, but we don't want to, as I mentioned, you know, we don't, we don't want to over, overdo those camps. We've, that's a lesson we've learned through the years. You know, don't, don't make too much of a deal of an Elite 11 showing. So let's watch him in the fall. And then he just blows up and just has an unbelievable senior year, takes a huge step forward. He's still sort of early in his development. He's skinny, he's, he's, uh, but he's very talented. He's athletic. And he's the perfect candidate to go sit behind Justin Fields. And then you know, when his opportunity arises, just sort of after being seasoned for a year or so, I think he has a chance to be really good. So I, I thought that was a really, really important pickup for Ohio State. And then the the other guys that jumped out to me were those wide receivers. I mean, that's sort of the obvious is just how good that wide receiver class was. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I got to give a lot of credit to Brian Hartline, to Ohio State, to that staff. I mean, we we had him as a high three-star after his, uh, I guess it would have been after his junior season. And he's such an efficient athlete that the he, he doesn't – it's not eye popping when you watch him in person necessarily, um, or at least when you watch him on film. And, and so I think in the very early stages, we sort of underestimated what he was. He was incredibly productive, but as we started to see him a little bit more, started to get a little bit of a better feel for what he was as a prospect, you kind of start to appreciate just that like, yeah, yeah he may not be a four, four guy, He's, he's, he's fast. It's not like he's slow, but he's, he's not some, you know, 10, 500 meter guy, but he is so efficient in his movements. He's hit such great body control, uh, such, such great awareness of sort of what he, what's like the body movements that it takes not only to get open, to create separation, but then to, to make a play on the football in the air. And he has really natural hands. Like all these things started to really bubble up for us. And he ended up being our number five-star receiver for us. 
but I, I really think that that's a credit to Ohio State to, you know, so, so often we talk about like the, the guys that are five stars and well, Ohio State just goes and picks their five stars or Alabama just goes and picks five stars and how hard is it? And sometimes we're thinking about that through the lens of where they finished. And that's a great example of someone that Ohio State prioritized well before he was a, a guy that everyone was considering a top-notch recruit. He was just a good player in, in, in the general consensus of things. Ohio State prioritized him, and he was always who he was, but we warmed up to him as a five-star recruit. And so uh, I think that that's a sort of a testament to their ability to both recruit and to, to identify and evaluate. Um, and, and I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba is part of just what is a, you know, a really good all-around wide receiver class, obviously, one of the better wide receiver classes we've seen in the last few years. Yeah, to me, in terms of modern coaches, so guys who have kind of gotten in the gig in the last you know, 15 years or so, I haven't seen anybody who's a better combination of recruiting and coaching than Brian Hartline as a position coach. I mean, I realize he's financially independent, so there's a little bit of an advantage there that he's probably not looking to move up, or he probably already would have, but I, I cannot get over how good the guy is. Um, and that goes for stuff that we hear, you know, publicly, and then everything I've heard behind the scenes from people who have, you know, the way he deals with parents and kids and stuff, that guy is an absolute five-star, and I'm very thankful that he uh, made millions in the league. Otherwise, uh, there will be coaches camped out in front of his door or administrators trying to get him to come aboard. Okay, well, go ahead. And, and I think that's – and you're right, and, and, and I think he is a superstar. Um, and I hadn't thought about that in terms of the, the, the reason that he's, you know, st stuck around at Ohio State. But I think it's a great – like that quality that you just um, hi highlighted, identified as someone that is – I don't want to say content in where they are, but is focused on doing the best in where they are as opposed to, to trying to, to climb. I, that, that really, I think, is a, is a valuable and, and kind of rare trait in coaches. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the, the guys that do that are, are really sort of turn out to be some of the best, just in, in sort of my anecdotal experiences. A, a position coach good enough to recruit receivers that would go to Ohio State is usually young enough that he's going to be moving up in the next four years. The fact that they have Heartline is kind of a, an interesting kind of advantage they have, like we just discussed. Let's get to uh, these two dudes. It, it's kind of interesting when you go back and look. Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are from, I Googled it, about 30 miles from each other as the crow flies. Mm -hmm. they are the same class, same position, both ended up at kind of the major powers outside the state of Georgia. Obviously, Justin took a little pit stop there. They are going to be compared from now until forever. They met in the semifinals. They are projected to be the number one and two picks in the draft. What are your thoughts on the two? Who did you have higher rated coming out? Who has a better chance to win the Heisman this year? I think it's pretty much accepted now that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick. Do you think Justin Fields has a chance to kind of unseed him? Yeah. Okay. So I'll start sort of go last question first and backtrack there. So right on. I think, look, I, I think if the draft were today, Trevor Lawrence would be the number one pick. Um, he might've been the number one pick this year, uh, but Trevor Lawrence is the safe pick to be the number one pick. 
Um, he's, you know, he's just the experience he's had, the games he's played in, the, the size, the, the sort of the pass first trust that coaches have in his resume and his, his, his uh, profile. Um, and then, you know, he's gotten a lot bigger and stronger. He's, he's athletic, which he showed late in the year last year. So <clears throat> Trevor Lawrence just seems to be the guy. That said, um, I think it's interesting that, like, it's being painted by some. And, and maybe, like, maybe you don't see it as much in your circles because it's sort of more in Ohio State world. But to me, it, it seems like everyone is, is making really broad assumptions that, like, Trevor Lawrence can't be caught as the number one pick. And I, I would disagree with that um, because we see it all the time. We see – we saw this year. We saw with Joe Burrow when the, the jump he took. No one saw that coming. No one saw Kyler Murray. I mean, we all thought, like, I'm not even going to say that. Like, we didn't really know. If you think back to what Kyler Murray was before he started, we didn't really know if he was good. Uh, we, we, we knew he was good in high school. We knew he had some, some flash moments. But we didn't really know he was going to be good. And then he has this huge breakout year. If you think about what Justin Fields, like the buzz that we were hearing about Justin Fields out of Georgia, it was, look, he's, he couldn't beat out Jake Fromm. And it was this sort of, the, 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 the buzz out of Georgia was very, I don't know, underwhelming. Uh, even the buzz out of Ohio State from, from the spring, it was like, well, he's talented, but, you know, we got to make sure he's throwing to the right team. And then you get into the fall, and he's like almost perfect. He's a Heisman because he's a he's a Heisman Trophy finalist, and that's his first full season starting. And so, I, I think it's a little bit premature. Like the people that are dismissing the idea that Justin Fields has another step in him that he could take, to me, is kind of crazy. So yeah, if I'm like the the smart money, the the safe money is to just roll with Trevor Lawrence. But I'm very much in the camp that's I think Justin Fields, especially with another year under Ryan Day, with another year of comfort in that offense, I'm 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 very comfortable in saying that Justin Fields has the potential to take another leap and and how like another leap from an already Heisman finalist type of year. So uh, I think it's gonna be a fun race. In terms of who like who I liked of those guys in high school it's a fun one thing to think back on. Look, so and the debate was really fascinating. I'll be honest. I was Justin Fields had a good junior year, played just a little bit as a sophomore. I want to say then he had a, he kind of had his breakout season as a junior, and his elite eleven showing at the opening finals was the best I've ever seen. It's probably the best we're ever going to see. Like it just was basically a perfect event for him. And as and as and heading into that fall, I'm looking at this at Justin Fields, and I'm saying, "Hey, look, yes, Trevor Lawrence has started since he's a freshman. He's lost one game in his high school football career. He's amazing." But I'm looking at this guy, Justin Fields, who's six three two twenty five, who runs a four five forty, who's the modern quarterback from a size and athleticism standpoint, who is who just absolutely ripped apart every, the whole field in the elite 11 and who took a team that was a perennial sub 500 
outside the playoff team to the best season in school history, not school history, but best season in a decade uh, as a junior. Let's, let's, uh, let's understand where the trajectory is here. Like what, how steep is this arrow pointing? And so I, at that point, we made the move. We made, put Justin Fields at number one. Justin Fields got banged up a little bit as a senior, missed a lot of games. His team wasn't very good. He was kind of running for his life. The film always showed him being a, you know, one read and tuck it guy. But, like, how can you blame him? Because he was playing on a team where he was a one-man show. And so that season, and Trevor Lawrence had another perfect season. So Trevor Lawrence, and I think, I think it, it, deservedly Trevor Lawrence jumped him back for the number one spot because just body of work, you know, how do you not hand it to Trevor Lawrence? He had maybe as good a high school career as we'd seen in a long time. And he has all these physical traits you can check the box with, but personally, and I'm on record as saying this, and you know, maybe I'll look bad when Trevor goes one next year, but personally I said, Justin Fields is still my number one guy. And there, and I look, I admit I was probably being a little bit of a contrarian because everyone else had Trevor Lawrence. But the reason I said that was because I still think we're still in the very early iteration of what Justin Fields is as a quarterback. And so here we are in spring of 2020, we're still kind of in the early iteration. Like Trevor Lawrence has started like 83 games in his career. And Trevor and Justin Fields has started like 30 something um, at those numbers are, I'm just pulling those. Yeah. I don't know those specifically. Don't quote me on those, but it's a, it's a huge disparity between games started. So let's see what happens with Justin Fields. Let's see if, let's see if this was just the first notch in this climb towards something really special because it's already pretty special. And so I think it's going to be really fascinating to see whether he takes another step um, or whether it, Trevor Lawrence, you know, pulls away himself because, hey, Trevor Lawrence could still have another year of uh, development in him as well. So it's, man, it's going to be fun to, to watch these guys side by side. Whether he passes Lawrence, we shall see. I will say when I watched them play head to head, you know, I'm biased. I was really impressed with, with Trevor Lawrence's toughness. I think he showed off a little bit more running ability. He's a great player. I take nothing away from him, you know, at all and would be a very worthy number one pick. I think you're right that he would have been picked before Burrow. I really hope we get a chance to see them play this year. Speaking of which, let's finish with this. Maybe your prediction on what's going to go on with the college football season. You don't have to spend too much time on this. I know you're not a doctor, and everybody making predictions is a little bit silly. Let's assume the season goes off without a hitch and we we are operating as planned. What do you see for Ohio State and then maybe their quest for the playoffs? So in terms of the season, I'm like you said, I mean, it's it, it feels silly to even – venture a guess because there's just it's crazy like no one knows but I think where I'm where I'm at with it at this point is kind of an every man for themselves sort of year I, I think um, it's it, when when hurricanes roll through Florida and UCF misses a game sometimes UCF just has to have an 11 game season and in a way a hurricane's rolling through the country right now and it's going to affect some programs more than others, some conferences more than others, some states, some cities more than others. And so I'm sort of 
starting to believe that maybe we just have a very disjointed season that is every team just makes an effort to get the games they can get in in the way they can get them in as best they can. And, you know, if they do, then, then they're great. And if they can piece together some sort of national championship or playoff, then great. But it might look like a, you know, it might look like 12 and 0 Ohio state playing against 10 and 0 Alabama or something like that. You know, it's just, I think it's, uh, at this point, it's it, everything's up in the air. All bets are off. Let's just see who we can get it on the field. Um, so, you know, hey, I'll hope for I'll hope for every game being played, but I'm starting to be skeptical of that. I, but I do think games will be played in some way. Um, in terms of Ohio State, I, I think, I mean, this team is good enough to win them all. You know, I think this is this is definitely one of the most talented rosters in college football. Uh, they've got a quarterback that we just talked about that could be as good as anyone, maybe the best one in college football. Um, and I and I look around at the rest of the Big Ten, and I still think that this is the best team. Um, and I think that if you're the best team in the Big Ten, I think that you know you're you're going to have your chance. And so, you know, I pick the, I would pick them to beat Oregon. You know, I would pick them to to beat Michigan again. Though I think that this is going to be this, this Michigan team might be better than people realize. I, I'm starting to think that. Though I, I'm not ready to say that they'll they'll beat Ohio State because why would I? Mm. This you know, given given the history, um, you know, I think Penn State is going to be a really good team. Um, but I don't know how you bet against Ohio State. I just don't. Uh, I, the the way they built that roster, uh, the the next man up sort of mentality there, the quarterback that they they can that can get them out of some jams, you know, because that's ultimately the difference. You know, if you look at the entire schedule, just just all twelve games, that's there. There's some teams that can compete with Ohio State, but which of those teams are you going to look at and say? When it's late in the game, uh, their quarterback's going to make more plays than Ohio State's quarterback. I, there's n- none of them, just none of them. Um, and that, that's sort of what gives me my confidence in Ohio State is, is I, I am pretty bullish on Justin Fields, and I am pretty bullish on Ryan Day. I think Ryan Day is a really good coach, who is a really good offensive coach, who, assuming they have some opportunity to prepare, is going to have Justin Fields ready. Is going to have the the, the offense ready. Um, and 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 if they're clicking, I, I just don't think anyone's talented enough to top them. One of the beauties about following Ohio State is you know that no matter what the playing field, they are going to be competing at an extremely high level. Ladies and gentlemen, Bucknutters everywhere, please extend your thanks to Barton Simmons. He dedicated way more time than I asked for. We are tremendously appreciative. He is a true asset to the network. And one of the reasons I'm really confident 24-7 sports will continue to be the industry leader into the future. Barton, thank you very much, brother. Hey, Dan, really appreciate it. 
I think that was probably on me because I was very long-winded, but I enjoyed talking. Uh, these are fun times for you Ohio State folks because they're, they're getting it done. So happy to talk anytime. Thank you very much. Have a good one, Bucknutters.